Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. So much to talk to Cal Thomas and Mary McKeown, the US correspondent with the Business Post about. And Cal, I'll start with you. We did touch on this with you last Friday when we brought you on, but I'd be interested in hearing Marion's response to your column, Cal. Tell us about what you've written for your syndicated column about what you believe to be Joe Biden's declining mental acuity. Well, I think the examples are everywhere, Matt. If you look at the video, King Abdullah uh, of Jordan was uh, has been in Washington the past few days, and uh, they trotted out for the traditional uh, uh, joint uh, news conference or joint meeting and statements, and Biden is back and forth looking where to stand. He's got his head down. He's clearly uh, not with it. Now, just today, the White House announced uh, that the president will not take a cognitive test. Now, if you are pulled over by a police officer and, ref- and uh, who suspects you of drink driving and you refuse a breathalyzer test, I think it's reasonably uh, reasonable to conclude, especially if you're staggering outside the car, that you are uh, inebriated. So I think this is a really bad political move for the White House and will just fuel the uh, charges that the president is incapable, as a new poll just out this week shows, 86% of the American people, including Republicans, Democrats, and independents, believe that the president is not mentally fit for another term. Which would suggest, Marion McCone, that even if the special counsel, Robert Herr, was not in a position to make a medical diagnosis of Joe Biden, what he has written has done the damage. What we're seeing on television of Joe Biden is damning and that he really has little or no chance of beating Donald Trump if he runs for re-election. Um, I'm not sure if I necessarily agree with all of those, Matt, although I think that absolutely Robert Herr has, and I think calculatedly and very deliberately, um, landed a blow on um, Joe Biden. And I think a lot of this is is the fault of the media, because if you read through that report, the first line on the first page where he says Biden willfully kept documents is absolutely contradicted by what he says around page 110 and further on as well, where he says he didn't there's no evidence to suggest and him saying that biden couldn't wouldn't be able to stand trial is entirely moot because there was no crime so why is he even speculating about what a jury would think you know really prosecutors need to put up or shut up and i think merrick garland as attorney general really mishandled this whole thing in fact but that doesn't deal with the problem of biden's age i mean it draws attention to it sure and the problem does exist i'm sorry uh, marion it, it doesn't change yeah. what we can witness for ourselves in yeah, the press exactly. conference that he gave afterwards and in the other appearances that he makes publicly. Yeah, and you know, I I think Biden does come across as as very frail. He mixes up his words. He gets things wrong. Uh, I would say, and it's not to do a what aboutism here. I would say at the at Trump events that I've been to in the last year, he has been very muddled. He has said things that just don't make sense. He has mixed things up. Uh, you know, I I'm not sure that there's that big a difference. But Trump presents with this strength and energy that Biden does not present with, and I think it is a real problem for Democrats and I'm not sure how they're going to deal with it to be quite honest. It's, it's an easy because way to deal with it, isn't there? 80% of Americans saying he's too old. It's it's really hard. To, he's not going to get any younger between now and November. No, so isn't it negligent on the part of the Democrats not to do the right thing by their party and by the United States of America and replace him? 
Uh, I think that it was a big mistake for Biden to seek a second term. Absolutely. I think that had he stuck with one term, then he would have gone out as a president who achieved more than any president since FDR in one term, which he has done legislatively and in a number of other ways. Uh, He would have had a superb legacy had he quit while he was ahead. But he chose not to do that. And I think that is a problem. You can't push a president out the door. If Biden decides he's running again, uh, that's pretty well it. You know, he has the right as the incumbent to run for a second term. Uh, I I really don't know how this is going to play out. I think that turnout will be really subdued this year because people just don't want to pull the lever for him or for Trump particularly. But the difference is always that the people who support Trump are so motivated that they would crawl over broken glass to to vote for Trump. And I think that that's where Biden's going to have a real problem. Tom and Abby Leake says you can hardly talk about mental issues without mentioning Trump. Well, I think Carl Marion has mentioned it. He doesn't seem to have very uh, significant mental acuity either, does he? Well, I think it goes beyond that, Matt. I think some of the things that Trump continues to say uh, follow a very dangerous and uh, annoying pattern. Uh, He has just said recently that uh, if NATO members, all of them, don't pay up what they owe for their defense budgets, that uh, he would have no problem if Russia invaded. How irresponsible is that? And then he continues to mock Nikki Haley, the only one barely standing in his way for the nomination, asking in a speech the other day, where's her husband? Well, her husband is uh, is been deployed. He happens to be in Africa, a member of the military. And uh, I think Haley uh, hit back uh, properly by mocking uh, Trump, uh, saying he has never been near a uniform. He, he, uh, he was a draft dodger. Yeah, a draft dodger uh, claimed to have uh, uh, spurs in his uh, heel bones, and uh, so I, I, you know, this kind of this kind of uh, behavior and verbiage uh, doesn't help. Uh, the American people make wise choices and I think it's disgusting and discouraging. But just go back Carl for a second to what he's threatening in NATO. You know there's this phrase don't take Trump literally but take him seriously. But what is the possibility that he would withdraw the United States from NATO to the enormous advantage of Russia? Well I think I'd have to look into the uh, uh, you know read all of the uh, NATO charter and see if one person can do that. I, I, I don't know if that's possible, but even if it is, I, I think it would be worse than irresponsible. It would be incredibly dangerous to Europe and the rest of the world. I mean, okay, so most of the NATO members have paid the minimum that he requested, 2 or 3% of their defense budgets, and some more, and some haven't. Okay, so if he becomes president again, let's, uh, let's just have him uh, pressure those other nations to come up with uh, what he says they owe. Uh, just to say that, you know, we're going to pull out of NATO and I don't care if Russia invades is just an invitation to Putin. And we've seen what he's done uh, with uh, Crimea and now trying to do with Ukraine and trying to win back all the former Soviet republics by force if necessary. It's extremely dangerous and irresponsible. But what do you reckon this whole good on Mary in the United States with the public, but also with corporate interests who might very much worry for their investment in Europe if they suddenly felt it was going to be lost in the face of an increasing Russian presence? Yeah, you know, first of all, can I clarify a couple of things? Because so much of what Trump is saying is based on 
absolute ignorance. Let's just assume what he said in South Carolina on Saturday, that he was just making it up. He said it off the top of his head. Let's just assume that. But uh, President, NATO is a treaty. It is part of American law. Any first-year law student can tell you a president cannot break a treaty that has been signed and ratified and is part of American law. He can't do it. Okay. And secondly, he keeps talking about NATO countries as being delinquent, as though they owe Jews to the Mar-a-Lago golf club or something. There's no such thing. There is no slush fund that NATO countries pay into. NATO countries agreed to spend about 2% of their GDP on military uh, to keep their militaries up and ready in case that they're they're called on. Now, America spends about 3.4% of its GDP. That's America's choice because America has always wanted to be a military superpower. So if other countries are spending below 2%, agreed 2%, they're not keeping up with, with the commitment, but they don't owe America anything. They, you know, that's their problem basically. The problem here is that Trump is sending these signals to Putin and and ironically the only time Article 5 was invoked, which is the all for one, one for all uh, clause, was after 9-11 when America invoked it and when all the NATO countries went to America's aid after the 9-11 attacks. That is the only time it's been invoked since 1949. So for for Trump to now be, be even suggesting this, that America won't help other countries is just disgusting. The problem is that if he did become president and if he did refuse, let's just say hypothetically Putin getting the nod from Trump, decided to invade Estonia or Poland. And if Trump decided to say, well, we're not coming to their aid, uh, there's actually probably very little that the NATO um, leadership could do if Trump said, we're sitting this out. And that is where the problem is, I think. Okay. And that's where the, the signals are very, very worrying. Fionnan Mayo says, Russia isn't invading anywhere other than Ukraine. The US pulling out of NATO would end the war in Ukraine, would it? And Estonia has been threatened by Putin in the last 24 hours, its Prime Minister. And the interview given to that uh, Tucker Carlson guy last week uh, very much was a coded message that Poland would need to be careful uh, given the way that Putin cited previous history. I'm going to stay with you, Marion, though, for a while. Has Joe Biden at least got his faculties together when he calls Benjamin Netanyahu the Israeli Prime Minister an asshole? Well, Benjamin Netanyahu seems to think so. He said on Sunday that Biden was very clear and focused during their conversations. And this is where, again, I think that Biden has been doing a good job. Presidents make decisions. He has made good decisions. But let's not get back to that. I think that the the, the tensions between uh, Benjamin Netanyahu and Joe Biden are really at a serious point at the moment. You know, Biden has bent over backwards. He has lost ground at home. He has lost credibility with progressives, with Arab Americans. Americans in places like Michigan that he really needs to win, um, you know, critical states. And uh, he's, America has got really very, very little output. Biden, our Netanyahu seems to delight in snubbing Biden and saying, no, I'm not telling you what our plan is for the day after the war. No, it's none of your business. No, we'll invade if we want to. We don't care what you say. And it's just not how allies um, behave. Now, the Senate just passed a bill for um, 90, uh, over $95 billion, $61 billion to go to Ukraine and $41 billion uh, to go to Israel. That has to get through the House. And it's at the moment, it's I don't know how that's going to happen. But I really think that they're 
needs to be, as the EU has said, there needs to be conditions attached. I do not think that Biden should keep arming Netanyahu, knowing that the arms he's sending are being used in Gaza. I think there needs to be serious conditions. Uh, last week, I was on a briefing where it was hinted very strongly that um, the US could consider just recognizing pal- Palestine itself, that it doesn't actually need Netanyahu's permission to do so. David Cameron said the same in Lebanon. So I think that behind the scenes, there is a bit more arm twisting. Well, there up, is. We're seeing very little. Carl, can in, I just tell you what one of that. our ministers uh, has said about this? Uh, Minister for Employment and Industry and various other trade issues, Simon Coveney, a former foreign affairs minister, has accused Israel of behaving like a rogue state and said, quote, it can't behave like a monster to defeat a monster. That would be very much the majority view here in Ireland, Cal, one which is gaining an enormous amount of credence in the European Union that the actions of Israel have long been excessive in response to the horrors of October 7th, which are always condemned. But what Israel is doing now is having told the people of Gaza to evacuate south, has now chased them south into the city of Rafah and continues to mass murder in an attempt to get at some Hamas people. At what stage does the American government say, we cannot support this anymore? Well, Ireland and the EU are not under a direct threat of elimination, as Israel has been uh, since its uh, modern founding in 1948. Uh, all you have to do is read the documents and observe the behavior of Hamas, of Hezbollah, of the PLO, of all of these groups, uh, the terrorist groups now being armed by Iran. Nobody's talking about uh, Iran uh, uh, ceasing arms to uh, to Hamas and to Hezbollah uh, or to North Korea. It's always on Israel's shoulder. And Israel has been more careful than the United States was in its uh, bombing of Dresden during World War II in trying to avoid uh, civilian casualties. But this is a constant uh, effort by Israel's enemies to el- eliminate the Jewish state. And if, you, if you're going to talk about a Palestinian state, what you've got is Gaza on steroids. Because if a Palestinian state is created, it's going to mean more territory for terrorists to move into and finish their often declared goal of eliminating Israel as a Jewish state. But hold on a second, Cal. The American government is in favour of a two-state solution. The European Union's in favour of a two-state solution. So so is Britain and very much Uh, Ireland is as well. Yeah, well, look, the the two-state solution isn't going to work uh, for many reasons. And this is largely, uh, you know, you say the American government. It's the Biden administration. It's the Obama administration. It's the Clinton administration. You'll recall when Ehud Barak was then the prime minister of Israel and went to Camp David with Bill Clinton and Yasser Arafat, Barack offered him 95% of what he was demanding, and Arafat turned him down. If you need more evidence of the objectives of Israel's enemies, that's it. What do you say to that, Marion? Well, Cal, I, I don't know. I mean, do you think the, the current situation is acceptable, a, a, a solution where, where things carry on as they are? Where I mean, look what happened. Sorry, sorry can I just come in there, Marion? Dresden isn't exactly a great bar to set. At least the, Ameri- well, no, at least the Israelis are doing better than killing 115,000 people as American bombing of Dresden did. There's still no, tens of thousands who have died in Gaza, tens of thousands of civilians. The place has been reduced to rubble 
and as I said at the outset, people were told to move out of the north of Gaza to go south and effectively they've been chased by the Israeli military to the outrage of governments all over the world and to people who are not anti-Semitic, who believe in the right of Israel to exist, but who cannot in any way support this type of mass murder which is taking place. Absolutely. And I think that there is a feeling that basically Biden is enabling Netanyahu. The only reason Netanyahu is still in power is because he's prosecuting this brutal war. And, you know, even the comparison with Dresden, if you do a per capita, you've about 30,000 people that we know of who are now dead in Gaza, mostly women and children. As you said, Dresden was about 115,000 in a population of probably 40 or 50 million around the time. So the per capita, the, the death toll in Gaza is absolutely appalling. It's shocking and it's, it's it's totally unwarranted. And that is not, and there is a, a tendency in the States to conflate. If you criticize the way Israel is prosecuting this war, you're caught, it says, oh, you're anti-Semitic. That is absolutely not true. Everyone wants Israel to exist. I don't accept. Yes, we know that Hezbollah and Iran and all of these countries would love to annihilate Israel, but they're never going to be able to do it. They don't have the capacity. Okay, I'm sorry, we've, we've gone way over time. I have to finish. I'm sorry I can't get back to you, Cal, but we've gone past six o'clock. Carl Thomas and Mary McCone, thank you. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Weekdays from 4.30. Today.